What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It is David without Isaac, without Candace. Listen, the draft coverage has to go on. Draft starts tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I told you Isaac and I made our last draft episode, but I wasn't going to let the train stop. His first appearance was this season. I apologize. I dropped the ball. He's way better than waiting two years to have his first appearance. So I brought him back on short notice. My guy from the All Rookie Podcast, at William is Bill on Twitter. Will, welcome back to the show. Round two. Here we go. And, and I'm picking your brain tonight. You ready? I, you, you loaded up on some guys here? I'm ready. Glad to be back, David. Anytime you need me, of course, I'm here for you. And I can't wait to get into these prospects. The draft is less than 24 hours away. Let's go. Yes, sir. You guys keep an eye out. Um, we are going to be doing a live draft show. Will is going to be, Will and I are going to be hosting the show. We're starting an hour before the draft. We've got Michael. Uh, Michael is a, a betting guy here at Sports Ethos. And he's going to talk to you about ways to make money. There, there's all kinds of bets and props and leans. And, he, and I'm not a huge sports betting person. I do some DFS stuff and do pretty well with that. But Michael is like neck deep in this stuff and he knows where to go with it. So be on the lookout for that. Come over there, join us early and get your bets in, win some money. And then Will will join me later on. We don't want to get him in the doghouse. So he's going to come on at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then he's running the rest of the show with me. We're looking forward to it. But tonight, th this is we kind of changed gears a little bit. I was going to talk to Will. We were going to break down six more prospects for you all to kind of get us closer to that, that 70 mark. I think we're just, just shy of 60 total prospects covered here on the show since the Grizzlies got eliminated from the playoffs but we're changing gears. Isaac and I like to talk about every year who our guys are, who we would like to see the Grizzlies draft. Isaac is not here with me tonight, so we're going to ask Will. We're going to ask him, all right, the Grizzlies are on the clock at pick 22. Who do you like? And Will is going to tell us he's got two guys that he likes. I told him, bring me two guys for each slot that the Grizzlies have. We're not going to discuss trades because – you never know. Like, if you would have told me today before we started recording this show that the trade between the Portland Trailblazers and Detroit Pistons would have went down and they landed Jeremy Grant without giving up pick number seven, I would have called you dumb. Like, I have no idea. They hired Mike Schmitz in Portland, and he is out there just fleecing folks, finessing mm -hmm. them. Can't believe it. It's good because Portland gave away some talent for pennies on the dollar and then they go out and they get a guy like Jeremy Grant for pennies on the dollar. So good on them. Let's get rolling, though, Will. I, I've been long-winded here at the beginning of the show. The Grizzlies are on the clock, pick number 22. Who is your guy for the Grizzlies? If he is on the board at 22, who would your number one guy be for the Grizzlies and why? Okay, in my latest mock draft, so I'm on mock draft 3.0 right now, I have number 22 to the Memphis Grizzlies, Kendall Brown. The 6.84 from Baylor, average 10 points, five boards, two assists, one steal per game. He's 19 years old. He's a good three-point shooter, 34% from three. How do you feel about Kendall Brown? Actually, I like Kendall Brown. I, I have talked on a number of different occasions about the way I feel about him. I, I think that Kendall Brown and Tari Eason are two guys that are – 
similar prospects, right? There's some things that Kendall does better than Tari, and there's things that Tari does better than Kendall. But where they're projected, I like the value for Kendall Brown over what the price that you would have to pay. So like Tari Easton, I've seen him go as high as lottery, 13, 14, 15 area. And I just – I don't see it from him. He has some holes in his game. And Kendall is kind of a guy, you know, where's he going to play? Is he going to play the three? Is he big enough to play the four? Is he going to be able to handle the physical fours? But uh, I would be I would be okay with that. He, he is a guy – there's a number of guys in this draft that I like from the 15 to 40 range that it's going to be hard to be disappointed with whoever they take in these spots. Yeah, and Kendall Brown, I think he'll fit well with you guys. He doesn't need the ball. You know, he'll play a role. And I believe that three-pointer shooting is already good, and I think it will increase. And he's very athletic. So, like, again, when he's not going to be ball dominant, he's going to be cutting to the rim or finding an open spot and hitting a knockdown three. And, you know, if Dylan Brooks doesn't come back and, you know, Kyle Anderson doesn't come back, perfect replacement right there. Yeah, I don't know that he would be quite at that level year one, but I think that he could definitely develop into that. Right. I, I do have another question, and it's not necessarily related to Kendall Brown. It's more a general question here. How much weight do you put into the statistics at the college level? Like you mentioned Kendall Brown's numbers, and, and I don't have them in front of me, so you may like you can repeat them if you want to. But when you are analyzing a prospect and you're looking, okay, um, let, let's say Dalen Terry, for example, you look at his numbers and the counting stats are not big there. How much weight are you giving that whenever you're breaking down a prospect? Well, it depends. You know, I, I consider it. But if you see on film, like Patrick Baldwin Jr., mm-hmm. I see the upside. You know, his numbers aren't great, but I see that upside. So if the numbers aren't there, that helps you uh, – put a prospect over the top, but it's not the end-all, be-all. Um, but it can help sway you a certain way. But if the numbers are not there, you, I think you just have to look a little deeper and you have to love what you see. The The highs have to be very high and the lows have to be not so low. <laughs> gotcha. Man, I, I've got to uh, I, I've got to give you some flowers here, give you some love because there's some things that, that you discuss in the draft that we disagree on. There's some players that you're much higher on than I am, but I love that like you stick to your guns, right? Because every year there's guys that get paid big money to do this. And we do not, we do not get paid big money to do this. Not even close, but you miss, right? Like you're going to look at prospects and you're going to, you know, see what they're doing And then sometimes it's just not going to translate at the next level. It happens if you go back over the last five years and you look at the first round picks, there's going to be a lot of those guys that are out of the league already. And there were people that were doing this, getting paid big money to do this, that thought that they were first round talent. So I got to say kudos to you on that. I love that you're standing your ground. You spend a lot of time studying these guys. And so I don't have to agree with everything that you do, but I respect the work that you yes, put you do. In, man. I have to, dang, man. That's it. We're shutting it down. Show is over. All right. So let's say that Kendall Brown is off the board for the Memphis Grizzlies. Who is your number two guy for them? If they are stood, they're on the clock, Kendall Brown is off the board. You like him number one for the Grizzlies at 22. Who would be another guy that you like? I think a great fit for you guys would be Marjan Bochamp. 
the 664 from the G League Ignite. Uh, I have him mocked going 19, so a little bit earlier than that. But if he slips to 22, I think he's another great fit for you guys. And like I said, he does not have to be first, second, or third scoring option for you guys, but he's able to do that if he needs to. And he's another player that can, in time, get better as a three-point shooter. And he's got a seven-foot wingspan. And he's going to bring a defensive presence to your team that's just going to make it even tougher for opposing teams to score. He's actually my number two guy at 22. Um, so so I love that. I love that pick. I did get some questions on him, uh, specifically Candice, who is one of the co-hosts of this show. She was talking about his offense and how it's a little bit raw, and she was uncertain of how he would do at the NBA level. I know that he played with the G League Ignite. What did his numbers look like with Ignite? Do you have them up? He averaged 15 points per game, seven rebounds, 57% from the field, 24% from three. The the 24% from three doesn't concern you at all? Do you feel like that can go up? I definitely think it can go up. And he kind of reminds me, not game-wise, but just his experience in the G League. Jonathan Kaminga's numbers were similar, and his three-point percentage was low in the 20s like that as well. He was able to come along slow for the Warriors because they have such a good team. I think Beauchamp could do be the same thing for you guys in Memphis. And, you know, the ceiling is, you know, just tremendous for Kaminga, and I think it can be for Beauchamp with you guys as well. It's not like he's going to be – well, hopefully he's not thrown on a bad team and just mm-hmm. thrown out there and pick up bad habits. So Memphis would be a great spot for him. Yeah, I like his, I like his defensive presence. I like his length. When you get a big wing that can defend, and especially a man, a seven foot wingspan at, at his yeah. size, it, it's he's going to be disruptive. He's going to deflect passes. He's going to get steals. He's going to block some shots even from the, the guard position. And so, again, that, that's like he's my number two at 22, assuming that they don't move. And I, I think that there is a great chance that the Grizzlies are not picking in these positions. I think that they package something they make a move climate has not been shy about going up to get his guy my number one guy at at 22 and he's kind of been my number one guy throughout this draft draft process is is Patrick Baldwin Jr and you mentioned him and you mentioned how you see the upside he had a terrible terrible year at the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee just couldn't it didn't stay healthy when he was in the game he had some questionable decisions but I was digging before he came on tonight, and I found a mock, uh, a big board before, uh, like, I want to say it was from February. And they had him going nine, number nine. We, you know, we didn't know who was picking at number nine, but they had him ranked as their ninth overall prospect. Do you feel like the bad season at the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, is enough to see him dropping? I saw a mock today that had him going in the 40s, man. Is that, is that a possibility? Do you think that's possible that he, he – the the lack of – he's not a super athletic guy, but he's six foot ten, and it's not like he's a sloth. He moves okay. He, he done well in the shuttle run. He just doesn't have a big vertical. He can shoot the lights out. A lot of great tools. Do you feel like this one bad season, like all of the upside from him washed away? I definitely do not. I think he will be perfect for a team that has multiple picks, which Memphis does. You know, the Spurs do. Minnesota has a ton of picks. So 
that way, if he doesn't succeed, you know, you have a soft landing with some other prospects that you can be a little safer on. But I think, yeah, I've, I listened to one podcast where it was two draft experts. One said they had him ranked 20th. One was fine if he wasn't drafted at all. So that tells you the spectrum of Patrick Baldwin. But I have to think that you would go by the positives that you see, the incredible flashes that you see, and you hope you can get him at the right coach, the right system, and make that more consistent. And with a talent like that, you have to bank on that. Like anything after 2025, you have to take that risk. I can't help but wonder how much difference the talent around him made. Oh, yeah. Because when when he was going into the game, the other team, no doubt about it, was gearing up defensively to stop him. So he was a he was a focal point of the defense. They were trying to make his life hard. And I don't know that on that squad that he had another guy that had NBA talent. And, and right. that has to make a difference. And so, you know, I, I always kind of fall back to the Zaire Williamson, or not Williamson, look, I'm confusing names here. Zaire Williams, his his season at Stanford was not great. The Grizzlies still liked what they saw. They still liked who he was as a person, what he brought to the floor, and they move up and they get him at 10, and it worked out well. I, I really like the tools that Patrick Baldwin has, and I – I'll be completely blown away tomorrow night if we're sitting there and he's not gone somewhere inside the first round. I think that he still has first-round talent and possibly even lottery-type talent. Um, Whether he's going to develop that, whether that's going to show at this level, that's to be seen, but I I have faith that he could do that. Yeah, and I have him going 23rd right now, so he's he's right in your range. It's up to, you know, what are y'all going to do with Brandon Clark? Yeah, I mean, that, that that is, you know, I feel like because of size, you, you look at position, but, you know, Brandon Clark and Kyle Anderson played on the floor together quite a bit, and I think that because of Patrick Baldwin's ball skills and because of his shooting, he's not going to occupy the same lane as Brandon Clark. So I don't know that he would necessarily be diving into Brandon Clark's playing time. I think that he is a guy, because of his ability to shoot the ball, he would be more of a kind of a a playmaking perimeter player instead of a big down there getting in the way of what Brandon Clark does. Okay. I I would say you think he'd be more small for it. Yeah. I I think that, that, you know, matchup is going to be tough, right? Like there's going to be some guys at the three that he will struggle guarding because of speed. Right. Um, But I, I don't know that he is a terrible defender, right? Like I think that you, like heading into this draft process, you wouldn't say that he's an elite defender, maybe not even a good defender, but I think that he can be a serviceable defender and it's going to be very matchup dependent on whether he's going to be able to match up against other threes. There's a number of guys that, you know, like um, Andrew Wiggins, if Wiggins is playing the three, I have no issue putting Patrick Baldwin out there. I think that he would do fine guarding Andrew Wiggins. I don't think Andrew Wiggins is fast enough to to break him down and just make him look like a fool out there. Could be wrong, mm-hmm. but you know, like that—that's just one example. And you know, there, there's a number of different threes in the league, but matchup wise, I think you can play him at the three and be fine. Okay. Well, yeah, you know, a lot of these guys are coming in, and the size is throwing everybody off because you have <laughs> six eight point guards, six ten shooting guards. It's kind of mm-hmm. crazy. So you just have to adjust, and you know, roll with the punches.
So I got one more guy at 22 that I want to talk to you about. And, and he is a guy that I like, but I know that your opinion kind of differs on him. And I'm throwing you a curveball. I didn't get just so you guys know. I'm I already know who you're going to say. Who am I going to say? Jovic? No, at, oh. no I, he's on my list, but not at 22. Okay. So um, a lot of Grizzlies fans like him and, and I like his game. I mentioned him a little bit earlier we didn't share the picks and who we were going to have at each slot. So Will has no idea who I'm throwing up here, but Dalen Terry out of Arizona. Oh boy. And, and I know previously you had said, you don't feel like he's first round talent. And so can you kind of elaborate on that for me? Yes. Um, Dalen Terry. I mean, I just didn't see it in his film. You know, I have him mid second round, I have him like 45 going to Charlotte. And that's to be nice, you know, <laughs> because everyone likes him. <clears throat> he has great size at 6'7", <clears throat> but he's very skinny, uh, slim frame, lanky guard. Um, you know, he can shoot it. He can drive. He can hit the three. But people are saying he's a point forward. I'm not seeing that really in his game. Um, you know, he shot 36 from three. That's good. Seven-foot wingspan. That's good. I just didn't see anything special about him. And, you know, like I said, too skinny. He makes some good passes, but, I mean, that's a second-round pick, in my opinion. I don't think he'll be ready to play in the NBA for a year or two at least. So do you think as he add weight, as he adds weight to that frame and he develops in a system, do you think that he's a guy that could outperform the, the second round if he does happen to fall to the second round? Do you think that he's a guy that has the upside to outperform that second-round pick? I just don't see him as a – like Kay Cunningham type. So I don't I don't think if you're trying to put him in that role, I don't think that's gonna work. But yeah. with weight, he could be a serviceable player, yes. But I, I'm just not seeing he does he's not a natural so point for for, for me. I'll tell you the the place, the fit, the reason that I like Dalen Terry is I, I don't think that he's going to be like a backup point guard. I, I don't think that he's going to initiate the offense the majority of the time. I do think that he's a good passer. He done a great job getting uh, Ben Matherin the ball, getting Christian Coloco the ball to, you know, get those guys. He passed them open a number of different times in, in the film that I had watched. But I, I like him for his size and length and his ability to guard multiple positions. And I think that he could be – a Kyle Anderson type secondary playmaker, a guy that has the ability to handle the ball and at times could initiate your offense, but he wouldn't be the primary guy doing it. Do you not see that from him? I mean, I could see it. You know, he was Pac-12 all defense as well, so that helps. It's just it's, it's going to take some time, in my opinion. I got you. Hey, and just like, you know, I was giving you props before, this is one of those guys where we kind of, you know, we're, we're pretty far apart on it, and that's perfectly fine. That's the beauty of the draft season. Not everybody is going to be the same. If they were, it would be boring, and nobody would enjoy it. So <laughs> we'll move on from pick 22, moving on to pick number 29. Grizzlies are back on the clock at pick number 29. Who do you have going to the Grizzlies at 29? At 29, I have Blake Wesley, the duo combo guard from Notre Dame, averaged 14 points per game, four boards. He's a 19-year-old freshman, shot 30% from three. That's what he has to improve on, but he has a 6'9 wingspan. And, you know, he's being compared to a little bit bigger Tyrese Maxey. 
And, you know, I mean, some point, some ball handling would help, you know, take the load off John Morant if you want to do that. So it wouldn't hurt to have Blake Wesley on your squad. Yeah, I mean, I you know, Desmond Bain kind of done that some last year. And you saw Taylor Jenkins play lineups with Tyus Jones and Ja Morant to where you were seeing Ja off of the ball some. I don't think that happens a lot because you want the ball in your best player's hands whenever when it comes down to it. But, you know, having a guy throughout the game that can run the offense is definitely a good option. And that's a guy that Isaac and I talked about, both of us liked that there's guys that are mock in that area that I like more than him. But uh, again, just like I said earlier, there, there's, you know, between 15 to 40, there are a number of guys that I really like that I would not be disappointed. And Wesley is one of them. So number two, if he is off the board, if he goes off the board before 29, who's number two for you? Okay. Now this is a guy that I love, you know, you, the way people talk about Dale and Terry, I think they should be talking about Jordan Hall the 6.8.4 from St. Joseph's, uh, you know, he is, and he's very capable of being Kate Cunningham-like. And, you know, it's type of the same type of situation with the ball handling, uh, if you wanted that point four, and then he's a better shooter than Blake and uh, Dale and Terry. So his playmaking is incredible. In my opinion, I'm sticking to this. He's a top 10 player in the draft, but everyone's saying he's a second round pick, but if you can get Jordan Hall, that would be a great fit for the Grizzlies as well. I have him mocked going 27th right now. So enlighten me a little bit about him. He's one of the few draft picks that I've not really watched film on. So I'm not going to have much. I'm not, I'm not even going to have anything to add to this because I've, I've not, I've got nothing to form an opinion. So tell me, sell me on this kid. You talked about his shooting, his ability to handle the ball. What do his stats look like? Okay, he was a sophomore. He averaged 14 points, almost seven boards per game, six assists per game, one steal per game, you know. And, uh, yeah, he, he ran the offense totally at St. Joseph's. But not only was he a point guard slash playmaker, you know, he has that incredible vision, passing, and 36% from three. So, I mean, he literally could do it all, and he's a good defensive player. So, I don't know what people are missing out on him, but – he could have came into the draft last year, but he decided to go back to make his, you know, stock a little higher and he performed better. And it's still no talk of him in the first round is weird to me. So what is free throw percentage look like? Cause I know you said what 36% from three, right? 36% from three. I don't have his free throw percentage right now, okay. but I mean, Look, all I'm his shooting that. was we'll, good. <laughs> I'll pull up a reference page while you're continuing to sell me <laughs> on this kid. So yeah, Jordan, I mean, his, his shooting Hall, he, all around. As a freshman, he shot 35% from three. Sophomore, 36% from three. So the shooting is no joke. And, you know, he could play the mid-range game in the post, in the three-point range. Great cutter to the rim. You know, can hit the fadeaway. I mean, he's he's pretty much the perfect player, in my opinion. If you want to get K Cunningham 2.0, that is Jordan Hall from St. Joseph's. That's, a, that's high praise for him. But, you know, you look at the numbers, uh, freshman season, 11 points a game, six assists, six rebounds. And then sophomore season, he goes up 14 points, still the six assists. His rebounds go up. His his field goal percentage goes up. His three-point percentage goes up. His free throw, he's 75% free throw shooter. 
So that's the reason I asked about that. And you can't always tell, like, it's not a, a given that just because a guy is a good free throw shooter, that he's going to be able to extend that range out. But I, I worry, I have concerns about guys that shoot 36, 37, 38% from three, but they're 60% free throw shooters of how consistent they could be. Um, so it, it, how is he as a defender? Is he, is he a capable defender? Is he subpar? Where's he at on that end of the floor? Very capable defender, good hands, you know, plays the passing lane well and can stick with his man, you know. And it, you, most of these guys can always improve on defense, but he's not a minus on defense at all. That's a, that's a selling point for me. I, uh, a lot of guys are extremely high on Banchero, and I like him. He absolutely deserves to be one of the first four picks of this draft, but his defense scares me, man. He doesn't that that is Jabari it is over him for me by a long shot because Jabari can do it on both ends. Um, you know, and, and you don't know, let Isaac hear this. Well, <laughs> that I like, he knows, he knows we've had this conversation many a times, many a times. You'll be proud to know. I, I went on Dan's show last night and gave nothing but high praises to your boy Jabari. Dan asked me about his, his field goal percentage and what I thought that would look like at the next level. And I told him that I thought that I would, that it would improve because he would get better looks at the NBA with, the, you know, with spacing, when he gets good playmakers around him, if he goes to Orlando, they've got Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz. They've got guys that can get him the ball. If he falls to two and he goes to OKC, you're looking Josh Giddy, SGA. They have guys that can get him the ball. It's not likely that he goes past one. Everybody is saying that he's going one, and that's fine. But I think that you do see that 42% go up because he's going to get better looks. So not, 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 totally not all down, not all down <laughs> on your boy, even though I, I have some points that you don't like about him, yeah. not completely <laughs> down on him. So Jordan Hall, n- number one at 29 for you was uh, Blake, Wesley. Blake, Blake, Blake Wesley out of Notre Dame. Number two, Jordan Hall out of St. Joseph. St. Joseph. Okay. All right. Man, you know, small school guards have a history of being successful in the NBA. You know, that, that is not that San Joe is a super small school, but it's not, um, it's not a basketball powerhouse by any, any means. So. Excuse me. Coughing here. I didn't want to cough into the microphone, so I wanted to back up. (laughs) Um, A guy that I like at 29, and the more I look at mock drafts, it's it's extremely unlikely that this guy is going to fall here, but Jaden Hardy from the G League Ignite, where do you have him going currently in your mock? I have him going 18, but from all accounts, what I'm hearing is he is falling. And it makes no sense to me. He's one of the top 10 talents in this draft. But I don't know. I think people are being very nitpicky on efficiency and things like that. But And the fact that he played, they're knocking him for that. <laughs> like Shaden Sharp gets guaranteed top 10. But Jalen Hardy had a really good season with the G League at night. But it wasn't, I guess, as good as people want it to be. And now he's falling in the draft. It makes no sense to me. He was a top three to five prospect early on in this draft cycle. Um, I, you know, I told you I'd, I'd done some digging to try and see some earlier mocks slash big boards. And in the three that I found from like 
May or earlier, I didn't see him any further down the board than five. And I saw him as high as three. He was never number one anywhere. But I, that's something I, I don't get why he's falling. I don't understand why he would fall. I think that there are a number of guys, like I'm taking Jaden Hardy over Shaden Sharp just because of, of the level of competition that we have witnessed Jaden Hardy play against and what he was able to do against grown, grown men playing for the G League Ignite. I mean, I'm taking him over Shaden Sharp, and that is – there's a lot of things that Shaden Sharp, I think, is going to be able to do well at this next level. But I just – I believe that uh, that Hardy is going to turn out to be a better player. So, I like him at 29. I, again, I've seen him go kind of all over the place, but I, I don't think he'll be on the board at 29. But if he is, I think it's a steal there. And then number two for me is a guy that you mentioned earlier that you thought I was going to ask you about. So I'm going to ask you about him now, Nikola Jovic out, out of Serbia. And I, I can't remember where your stance was on him. I know that we've discussed him before, but tell me what you like or dislike. And, and the reason – so there's kind of a difference there between Hardy and Jovic. I think Hardy will be ready to play year one. I think he can be a rotation player and he could, you know – contribute year one these next two guys that I'm going to mention I don't think that they are year one contributors I think they're guys that you take time to develop with that being said tell me why you hate Nikola Jovic <laughs> I don't hate him it just concerns me if his game is going to translate you know he's coming from Serbia uh, you know he plays like a guard but he's 6'11 how's that going to work for a player that's not incredibly fast or athletic to play like a guard is he going to be able to guard bigs and you know be guarded by guards I don't know his tape is good though you know he shot 40 percent from three average 12 points per game four and a half boards three and a half assists you know but he has a nice soft touch in the paint nice floater nice finger roll but you know we haven't seen too many people like this succeed. Like he plays more like Luka Doncic. There's not too many Luka Doncic's in the world. You know, he's kind of one of one. So is Nikolai Jovic going to be that? Then, I mean, he should go much higher than this. But if he's not going to translate, like if I, if I was a team working out, I would have him in there playing five on five with like my G League team or something. I would need yeah. to see how he plays against, you know, American competition to get a good feel on how he's going to translate. But I have heard that he could go near the lottery also. So, yeah, it's this year, I think more so than others, you are seeing names kind of fluctuate a ton. And, you know, that's uh, Patrick Baldwin is a guy that, that we talked about earlier. See him some places early on going lottery. And then now he's kind of fallen back and you see him anywhere from the twenties down into the forties. And Jovic is a guy that I never would have thought you would see him falling to the end of the first round. But you're looking at mocks right now, and, and Jovic is going, you know, 27, 28, 29 in that area. And for a long time, he was kind of a, a, a top-of-the-board guy for me, even at 22 for the Grizzlies. So a lot of, I love his skill set. Um, there, there are definite questions like, is he going to be able to defend anybody? And that's always, that always seems to be a question with European players, but I think the size and length from him is going to make him at minimum, a serviceable defender at the NBA level, eventually not year one though. 
Yeah. What position do you think he's going to play? Um, Just multiple? I it, yeah. I think it's going to kind of depend on how his body develops. Like, if he – if you see a body transformation, say, like Giannis, you can move him into the four, and he would be a ridiculous four because of his ability to handle the ball. And that's – and please, please, please don't twist that into me saying that I think that Nikola Jovic is going to be Giannis. Nope, that's the title <laughs> of the show. That's the title. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. We can run with it. Jovic is Giannis. That will be 100% title locked in. But, you know, like these guys, they're young. And you see Giannis, when he got drafted, he was a beanpole, man. He was He was small. And he added weight, and now he's a monster. He's one of the strongest dudes in the league now. And so I, I think with Jovic, it's going to depend on can he add muscle to his frame? Can he add weight to his frame? And what does that do to his mobility? Do you see that drop any? And, you know, if he doesn't, if he adds weight and he continues to, to have that mobility, you know, uh, a three, three or four, and maybe, you know, as he adds weight, you see him as a small wall five. But – it's going to be extremely matchup dependent, but I say three, four is probably kind of going to be his, his sweet spot. Yeah. And the only negative I would say about that is we haven't seen too many, you know, international players bulk up like that. You know, most of them pretty much stay there, you know, soft. <laughs> I don't want to say soft, but you know, not chiseled frame, you know, and you know, Giannis is different, you know, he, he's not, I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, like, the, the, he he is. He's a different beast. Talent, right? Like, he, he's not somebody that comes through every year. You don't see a – man, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm struggling mm -hmm. over here. You don't see a Giannis in every draft. You don't see a guy that is that small that, that goes in and puts in the work in the gym and just swells up and turns into a monster. So – you know, th th there's definitely a lot of questions there with him for sure. Yeah. So um, another guy that I had written down at 29, and this is strictly because of the fact that they have two first round picks and you can't keep everybody around. They've got some open spots on the roster, but I feel like if the Grizzlies make two first round picks, one of these picks is going to be a guy that they're stashing in the G League. One of these picks is going to be somebody that has an extremely high upside that needs time to develop. And the guy that I, another guy that I've written down here is Josh Minot from Memphis. What do you know about Josh? What do you like about him? And is this something that is taking him at 29, just insanity? Am I out of my mind, you know, taking him with a second first round pick? Or is he a guy that, that you think a couple years down the road, this could be a steal? Well, yes, you're you're insane, you know, insanity, all that good stuff. No, but ironically, I have Josh Minot mocked to you guys at 47. Okay. So I, he would be my selection for you at 47. But, I mean, other people may be higher on him, but I have him at 47. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen him going – he's a guy that's kind of climbed a little bit on boards. He is. The latest that I've seen him go um, recently, and, and I've been looking at a number of them today, I think 38 was the furthest I've seen him drop and the ones that I looked at today. Uh, but, you know, you never know. You never know where he's going to fall. We, we talk about uh, Primo and him getting taken. I, I don't think that anybody in the world, pro, you know, projected that Primo was going to be a guy that came off the board 
at, at 12 last year. And then, you know, I heard uh, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. Uh, there's talks of him coming off the board at nine. And, you know, who would have thought that two weeks ago, Jalen Williams was the name that you're talking about in the lottery. You watch film on the kid, you can see why that's a consideration. But, you know, I, I don't know where Minot is going to fall, but I do like his length. I like, you know, 6'8", and he's got a plus wingspan, really athletic. And when he played, when he was on the floor for the Tigers, he made winning plays. He's just a smart player. And a guy that's going to need time. You know, he could have – he went into the transfer portal. He could have went back and played Division One for another year somewhere else. He could have chose to stay in Memphis. There were a number of different options that he could have chose – but he, he bet on himself here. He's like, you know, I'm going to enter the draft, bet on myself, see what happens. And he's been working on a lot of the things that were question marks for him. Yeah, um, you know, it's just – if it's if you can either go two ways with this draft. You can go by talent or you can go by potential. He's a potential guy because if you just go by how he played in college, you could argue that he shouldn't be drafted at all. You know, he averaged six points per game, four boards, one steal, one assist. 0.7 blocks. That's not good enough to be drafted. But like you said, 6'8, 6'11 wingspan, 20 years old. You know, he has the body to guard the toughest position, the Jason Tatums, you know, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Clay Thompsons, whoever it is. Every, every team has a great small forward out there. Um, you know, so that's the, that's the hope. That's the goal. But to me, that's a shot in the dark for a guy that is not ready offensively. He shot 14% from three. I don't know if I've seen a prospect shoot that low of a three-point percentage ever. It was it was extremely limited attempts, and I had the number for a long time memorized. I don't remember where it's at, but I know that it was far less than 100 attempts. But he didn't, he didn't get a ton of playing time on that Tigers team, and a lot of that was because of the other talent that they had on that team. Penny Hardaway done a great job recruiting, and he had a lot of guys that were NBA-level talent or were upperclassmen that were seeing minutes over Minot. So that is the, the shooting I get if you look at that 14%, you're like, whoo. But if you watch video of him working out, you watch his draft video, um, like his not his draft, his combine workout, and his shot looks good. Uh, his brother has shared a number of different times on Twitter different videos of him working out, and the shot has definitely improved. Yeah, well, I just looked it up and it said he only shot 14 threes all season. So yeah. – uh, I, that's still not a good thing. That means he's not confident in his shot, you know, but like you right. said, everyone can improve on that three-point percentage for the most part. Mm-hmm. So that shouldn't be too much of an issue. But I do think, like you said, it'll take a year or two. And for me, this draft is very deep. And if I'm picking in the first round, I don't want to take a guy that is going to take a year or two and then it's going to be a maybe, you know. If I'm going to take a year or two guy that's a maybe – I'm going to take a Jovic or Uzman Ding type, you know, player like that. So we'll see. But might not. It's, it's, it feels like the Scotty Barnes-itis. Everyone's looking for that body type, length, size, strength. And it's going to hit sometimes. It's going to miss sometimes. Yeah, I mean, big wings. Ever, like, they've been looking for big wings, right? Guys that 
six seven, six eight, six nine, big wingspans that can guard multiple positions. And then you know you get the the Raptors and they hit on uh, Scotty Barnes, and then then here we are. You know it's yep. that that's going to be a continuing thing moving forward. The NBA is a monkey see monkey do league, and the fact that you know you see one team have success with this, other teams are going to follow suit. So we will uh, we'll move on. I, I'm keeping you a little bit long. I apologize, man. I don't apologize. I'm not sorry. I love it. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you're back with me. I'm keeping you until midnight on the East Coast, making you sleep on the couch. 47. There's no place I'd rather be. <laughs> then on the couch. All right. Let me. Uh, I ain't got your wife's number, but I'm gonna find her on Facebook and send her the message. <laughs> All right, man. On the clock, 47, you already said Minot was a guy that you had. Was he actually one that you were going to discuss tonight at 47 for the Yeah, yeah, he, okay. he is my guy. So, All right, and for yeah. my second guy, I'm going to throw it to you and say, what position do you feel is the most of need right now? Because, I mean, you guys are loaded. So, I, I can pick a backup point guard, backup shooting guard, backup center. You tell me the position, and I'll pick my second guy based on that. Man, I, I think wing is really so – Wing are a big, and and we've talked about a number of wings on this show. So let's go with a big here. Let's go with a big here because we haven't really talked about any bigs, and so that that's something, you know. I I think the long term plan had been for Jaron Jackson to play the five, but I think that they learned this season that Jaron Jackson as a full time five is not a fantastic idea. I think that you need a big similar to Stephen Adams that can get down there and kind of do the dirty work because Jaron is just not built to do that. So let, let's look at a big here. All right. With the talent in this draft, there's not that many centers that I feel are ready to play. Uh, this draft is full of wings. So the only other guy I have that's a center pretty much, pretty much in the whole se- I got like two centers, three centers in the whole second round. So you hate Christian Coloco. He's off the board already. I'm going to give you a name. I don't know if you heard this name, Orlando Robinson. Yeah, The 6'11 no. center from Fresno State. You heard of him? I have heard the name. I don't, I have not watched film on him. I don't know much about yeah. him. See, most of these guys are raw, like the Ismail Kamagate, the Ibu Baji. They're raw. They, they're like the, in the Clint Capella vein. Mm-hmm. Orlando Robinson is more well-rounded, very productive, big man, can dribble, spin, post up, you know, maneuver his way to the rack, has an array of post moves, which you, which I love in the center. It's not just a rim runner and shot blocker, you know, and Orlando can even shoot the three. He shot 35% from three, and this is 6'11 guy at 235 pounds. He's, he just needs to work on his all-around game, just polishing everything up, but I feel he's easily should be drafted in this draft. Yeah, 19 points, 1.2 blocks, one steal, eight and a half rebounds, 72% from the free throw line. I'm sold. You ain't got to tell me anything else. <laughs> a big man that can shoot 72% from the free throw line. Yeah, you, right. like you, you, we, we talk about level of competition when we're talking about prospects. And, and that is something, you know, playing for Fresno State, he's not exactly banging uh, against big guys like NBA level talent yeah. playing in that conference. But with that size and frame, you would think that you would see a, a kid like this get drafted. How is he going to be on draft night? Do you know? He's 22 years old. So that's the negative for draft guys. But for a team like Memphis, that's going to be a positive. 
you know, win now teams, you want the older guy, you know, guys that are tanking, <laughs> you want the 18 year old. Sure. Fair enough. They gave me a guy that I'll, uh, I'll have to dig into later on. That's I, I like the, uh, you know, not the 19 and eight, 70% from the free throw line, 35% from three on three attempts. That's, you know, that that's decent, man. There, there's a lot of guards that didn't shoot that on that right. attempt. So yeah, I would like to see his field goal percentage a little bit higher as a big. She only shooting 48% from the field as a seven footer in a conference where he was probably the biggest player in the conference. I feel like that, that should probably be, be higher. But if that was higher, if he didn't have holes in his game, he probably is not being talked about as a second round pick and or undrafted free agent. Correct. And I mean, I, it would be a, it would be a crime if he didn't get drafted, but we will see what happens. But I think, I think he'll be a perfect fit for you guys. I have a mock um, going 46 to Detroit, but I mean, honestly, from his film, he can go anywhere from 35 to 50. Yeah. He should. <laughs> So I, I got one other guy that I want to ask you about, and then we will wrap it up and I will let you get out of here. Isaac and I kind of discussed this kid a little bit. How much have you looked at European prospects? What can you tell me about Gabriel Presida? Is he a guy that you like in the second round? Is he a talent that you feel like he should go before the second round? What's his game look like to you? And do you think he can be a productive NBA player? Yeah, I, I did a whole pod on the, my top international draft guys. And so I like Gabriel Presida from Italy, six to seven. Do I? Is he your number one uh, European prospect? He was not my number one. You know, I love uh, Hugo Besson. Oh, okay. All right. fair, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I like this song. Okay. Right. But it's mainly because Gabriel Presida only played 18 minutes per game. Mm -hmm. That scares me a little bit. You know, the competition over there is not the same as America. But, you know, he uh, he scored seven points per game, three boards, not much else. He shot 38% from three, but it's not a lot to go on. You know, the international guys are tough because you see the flashes and you look at them and it's like, he looks incredible. But when you break it down, he's only playing spurts per game. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's a very athletic swing man. He can shoot it, plays say, like an Say American. that again one more time. A European prospect getting the athletic tag i know it's crazy right like we don't talk yeah. about that and that's i think that's why he's so intriguing to me it i was is. looking at the minutes played and and i was a little bit concerned but then if you go back and you look at what some of these other prospects played the the guys that are vets over there in europe they get the minutes like the, these young kids right. that are top prospects are not really getting the minutes and so, yeah, 18 minutes a game is not really what you would expect from a guy that's a high-level prospect. But, but I think that that is, is something that you kind of let slide with him. I think that he's got enough on the table that, you know, okay, he's only getting 18 minutes a game. But when he's out there and you see those flashes, the things that he does show you are pretty impressive. Right. And I don't use it as a knock against him because of his talent as far as, oh, if he was better, he'd be playing more. It's just – I wish I had more film on him, yeah. but yeah, he, he definitely plays like an American player. If you didn't know if his name was, you know, some American name doesn't matter, but <laughs> you wouldn't know he's a high leaper. His name was but, William, William Harris. Well, William Presida. Oh no, that still doesn't work. All right. But <laughs> he's a fast and crafty player that can create his own shot, which everyone loves drops to the rack. Well, uh, I, and I thought when I looked at his tape, you know, 
over a month ago, he was be a hidden gem, but his name has bubbled up so he can go anywhere from 30 to 50, in my opinion. And it, it it's going to be a risk, though, like I said, in my opinion, because there's not enough tape on him. Gotcha. Well, man, Will, I... Appreciate- wait, 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 wait. So it's not much film on Gabriel Procida, but there's not much film on Shaden Sharp, but you seem to like Procida and not Sharp. Yeah, Procida played at a pro level. He, he played against pros. And, and the European league that he's playing in is not the same as the NBA, but it's a higher level of competition than what Shaden Sharp played against. The the only tape that we have on Shaden Sharp, and I, the, I told you there's a lot of tools that I think that Shaden Sharp is going to have that are going to translate. I think that he's going to be an elite shooter. He is an elite athlete. He has good playmaking skills. There's a lot of stuff about him that looks good, but there's always a but. It's against prep kids. It's against high school kids. When he reclassed and then goes to Kentucky and then didn't play there, it's it's just questionable to me. And I wonder, I, I'm I'm he out of anybody in this draft. I'm more interested in where he ends up getting drafted because what type of precedent is that going to set I agree for other prospects? If I'm an NBA executive, I don't want to encourage that. Mm-hmm. You, as an NBA executive, you want to see them compete against high-level players. And so if Shaden Sharp is a guy that, yeah, he, you know, he was getting all this buzz, he reclasses, he goes to Kentucky, he doesn't play at Kentucky, he doesn't play in any of the stuff at the Combine, and, and that was kind of because of his camp. Somebody in his camp was like, hey, we're not doing this. We don't want to, you know, diminish your value. And how does that work out? I, I don't know. But if I'm an executive, I, I don't want this to be the precedent moving forward. I don't want top-level prospects not playing. And then I have to determine against high school talent if they are going to be able to translate at the next level. You have guys that came out of high school, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kevin Garnett. Like you can run through a list of guys, a whole list of guys that came out of high school that were good in the NBA. But you can also run through a whole list of guys that came out of high school that were complete flops in the NBA. That's true. And so I I, I think that seeing where he goes is going to kind of set a standard for what high-level prospects do moving forward. And if we see more people start doing what he done, I'm I'm just not a fan of that at all. I agree because um, you know, like we said, Jaden Hardy, if he would have sat out, oh, he would he's be the top five. Higher. Like right. there's there's no doubt if Jaden Hardy did not play for the G League Ignite, if he done the same thing that Shaden Sharp, right. you would be talking about Jaden or Jaden. Did I say Ivy? I think I accidentally said Ivy <laughs> instead of Hardy. But we would right. be talking about Hardy. In the same breath as Banchero and Holmgren, and like he would be a guy that's going to be a top pick in this draft, and because he didn't, here he is probably going mid first. So, yeah, and you can say the same thing about Caleb Houston. His stock yeah. dropped by going to college. So, if I was an NBA exec, I honestly would. <laughs> it sounds bad, but Sharp should fall in this draft to stop this precedent. A hundred percent. I agree with that. Yep. I don't know if that will be the case because then, you know, you let him fall Some into the 20 <laughs> and then the Grizzlies jump up and get him at 20 yeah. 
somebody's getting fired. <laughs> right, like, right. You let all this talent fall. What you know? <laughs> like I can just hear somebody screaming at one of their executives. So it, it's yeah, that that is there are many things in that are coming up in this draft that intrigue me, but that that has my highest attention. Like that is the one thing as we're doing this draft coverage tomorrow night, the live draft show again, we're starting. 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Will is going to come on a little bit later because he's a bum. He's got to work. Who has a job these days? But anyway. I'll be there before pick one, okay? <laughs> so we, we will get him on board at, at 8. We're going to get on. Uh, JC DeLeon is going to lead off with me, Stephen Bagel. And then uh, what is Mike's last name? Fiddle? Yeah. Fiddle. Okay. Fidel, yeah. Yep. Um, and he, he, is, he is one of our betting guides at Sports Ethos. I went on his show very very sharp guy he he knows what he's doing whenever it comes to betting specifically on the nba if i remember correctly he has nine seasons in a row of winning in the nba on like betting on the nba and that's damn impressive like if you can if you have generally if you do this long enough you will have a season where you break even or you fall behind but he, he keeps record of it and he's nine in a row winning so he's a guy that knows what he's doing. Definitely come on and check that out. Will, before I let you out of here, let everybody know where they can find you, and uh, and then we'll close it up. Yeah, thank you for having me on again, David. You know, always a pleasure, always fun. Uh, and, you know, you can check me out on Twitter, at William is Bill, and my podcast is the All Rookie Podcast. So this is the time of the year for all the rookies. So, you know, but I don't just talk about them right now you know i talk about them all season long so if you love rookies check me out the all rookie podcast will thanks again guys you can get the show on twitter at ethos grizzlies candace is candace h901 my guy isaac is in houston enjoying his vacation I hope you're having fun, man. I know. He's How are you going to take pictures. a vacation during the draft? Come on, Isaac. That, that's what I said. I'm like, <laughs> man, what is this? You need to set your wife straight. What's happening here? Nah, he, he's posting pictures of food and stuff looking good. So I know he's having a good time. And my man has been working his butt off lately. So hope he enjoys his vacation. He is at Isaac underscore rivals. I'm at David W2111. I hate that it's so long and so hard to remember, but Twitter is what it is, man. They stole my other account. Thanks again for tuning in. This is the official last draft show for the Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast this season. We will, of course, come on and talk about who the Grizzlies drafted and why we like it or dislike it following the NBA draft. Until then, keep up with us on Twitter. Go over to the Sports Ethos YouTube channel and tune in to our live draft. We appreciate you guys listening. presentation.